Hey guys, this is For the Record episode number 101, which is really cool to say. Um, This is a bit of a different introduction, and there's no music, there's no... um, there's no sponsorships with this. I, the guest today was originally, and she's still going to have her episode. She'll be po- her episode will be posted on Wednesday instead of today. Um, but it, um, interestingly enough, actually correlates really well with what this episode is talking about. If you're at all involved with the music scene and with things that have been going on. Um, you no doubt heard about what happened this past week. Um, I walked out of work, and for those of you that don't know, I'm not going to say what it is specifically, um, just, I guess, for privacy purposes. I don't care if anyone finds out, but it's just for privacy purposes. Um, I walked out of my day job around 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, and I opened up my phone. I don't use my phone when I'm at work. And the headline said, Chester Bennington, lead vocalist of Linkin Park, found dead, age 41. And I thought this was a hoax. I thought it was one of those stupid, whatever, uh, fake posts that I see. A lot of people in my feed are guilty of posting them, and I'm like, all right, whatever. And then I saw the source. And in the past, I would have never jumped to the source and said, this is credible or whatever. But the guy who runs the site and his outlet, he knows his shit. And I know that he and his team would not post something unless there was a legitimate, some basis of fact behind it. And I apparently saw the news right when it broke, within four minutes of it going live, or something like that. And my entire day just... I've never pulled over on the side of the road and cried from a celebrity death. And I hate that term, celebrity death. It should be just a death because they're people just like you and me. But, and I wrote a post about this. That was kind of, I guess, my farewell. The only thing I could do after that was write. I didn't know what else to do. One of the things that I think is interesting is that when people get so upset about famous musicians or favorite movie stars dying. It's like, why do you care? And I, I'm, I paraphrased a quote. I can't for the life of me remember where I saw it, who wrote it, but it was one of the most beautiful and most accurate things I've ever read in my life. And it said, why do we care so much? And this is again, paraphrasing about people passing away that we don't personally know. And that's because they helped us define who we are. Whether it was through their music, or their films, or their visions, and their art, whatever it may be, they were there for us, and still are there for us, in the darkest and brightest of times. And so with this episode, um, my guest is my good friend who's co-hosted the show with me before. His name is Andrew Tucker. 
he's the bassist in a band that I became very fortunate to work with over the past few years called Demon and Me. Um, and we became good friends because we had a lot of things in common. And I wanted to talk with someone who I had had a good, uh, just a good experience talking with someone who, you, you know, those people in your life where you feel like you kind of just like, you could go in and say, okay, this topic is this. And then even if you didn't really know them and only talk to them a handful of times, you could be like, yeah, fuck it. Let's talk. Cool. Um, it's one of those things where I just, I wanted it to be something personal and I wanted it to be very open And so we did an hour-long chat about depression and anxiety and mental illness and talking about the stigma of it. It's a very open and very honest conversation. I was actually very nervous to do it, Um, not because I felt like I was going to say anything wrong or anything like that, but just because it's – I'm someone who has – struggled with anxiety and depression and mental um mental illness in the form of depression and um it's something that's followed me my entire life when i was very young i once had suicidal thoughts i never carried out the action of it but i did think of it and that was enough to scare the living shit out of me and bring me back to reality and i was very fortunate for that A lot of people are not. And I think a big reason for that is because it's so looked down upon in society to really talk about this stuff. And that's what this episode is about. This episode is just a talk about just about the stigma around this, uh, around mental illness and mental health. And about how we need to talk about these things because it, you just you just need to talk to someone and and, and I'm not saying like I, it, it's hard to say that to someone who is going through those things because it's harder and it's hard enough for them to want to get up and get out of bed and get out the door and I can say this from experience um but this is a talk that that has advice to people that are also seeing people they know go through mental illness and encouraging people you have to you have to reach out you have to talk to friends reach out to that person you haven't talked to in ages ask them how they're doing ask them if they'd like to go get coffee or go for a walk or something there's nothing wrong with talking about your feelings and asking someone how they're doing it's called being a decent fucking human being and I'm so sick of seeing that people think it's too weird or too taboo or odd to do that. And that's what this this conversation talks about. Andrew shares some of his experiences. I share some of mine. And that's pretty much it. The last thing I'm going to add on is that, um, and this was all Andrew's idea, so full credit goes to him. Um, and I thought it was a wonderful idea. We made... Actually, Andrew designed it. Um, I just went along with the idea and said, yes, this sounds perfect, and I'm going to post the link. Um, He designed a shirt, and it says – it's a speech bubble that says, let's talk. And 
We're selling these shirts today with the podcast. The link is up now through a website called TeePublic. And then all of the proceeds um, from here on out, from as long as they sell, the site actually was really cool is that they handle all of the shipping and distribution, taking the orders in, and then they take a cut um, just for the shipping and manufacturing costs. And then we get a certain cut of that as well. We're going to take all the proceeds, every bit of money that we get, and we're putting it um, into uh, mental health programs and into mental health awareness programs. We haven't decided on where it's like what specifically it's going to be donated to um, at the moment. It could vary. We could donate to a couple different organizations. We could pick one. Um, we could, there's, there's a number of different possibilities, but, uh, please, the link will be in the description of this podcast for you to go and purchase a shirt. Please do. They look really awesome. I'm about to go and order one myself. Um, I think it's just incredibly important and this may be one of the most important episodes we've ever done. Um, the guest on Wednesday when I was saying how it correlates is, um, Dr. Janina Scarlett. Uh, she is a wonderful author and, um, someone who studied and worked with um, numerous patients that have gone through PTSD and um, had mental health problems, she wrote a book called Superhero Therapy, which is where she created basically a number of different superheroes that all went through different life problems, that, that all went through something traumatic or something different that affected them in some different way. Um, I'll explain far more about this on Wednesday when that goes up, but um, I, I I cannot recommend this book highly enough, and I recommend everyone listen to that episode as well because it was a, a really important chat, um, and it was very cool to talk to someone who was able to, I guess, parlay that into into nerd culture, talking about things like Harry Potter and superheroes and Star Wars and things like that that you that I've never really seen before. Uh, connected with with subjects like this so this is probably the longest intro I've ever done I don't care because um, we really don't have anything to plug except the shirt and this was a very personal episode so without further ado here's episode number 101 of for the record podcast let's talk Is plugged there in. There we go. I hear you. Now it's now, my mouth. There you go. Now I can hear it. Sick, dude. Sweet. Yeah, so this is I have this I forget I forgot what the app even was. Um I think it was just called it was I it, well it comes up in my um 
in my computer as Call Recorder. I think that was, I actually think that was the name, the name of the software. And it, um, it was 10 bucks and I tried it once just to see what it would, what it would do. It was the only thing that I could really find. And, um, I recorded, I recorded a Skype podcast with someone and it was, it was good. Like it, um, the quality work. And so basically all you do is you connect, um, you install the software and then once your call starts with whoever it is, whether it's uh, like a group chat or just a one-on-one, you push record and then it records the audio um, from both sides and then exports it to a different file. Dude, hell yeah. That's yeah. excellent. So it's nice. And it was 10 bucks, so it wasn't that big of a deal. But as, as soon as I got on, it was pretty much like, hey, you're old as fuck. You haven't been on here in a really long time, so we're gonna update it with a bunch of shit that because you haven't been on here. So I was like, okay, cool. That happens, bro. Yeah. Uh, so you had a good oh, nap. Shit. Oh, dude, yeah, I had a great nap. <laughs> Those just, are the best. Just the best. <laughs> Although there was like this little kid in the backyard behind me who was like singing these really annoying children's songs with her dad. Oh. So I thought I was going to have to fill a pillowcase up full of bars of soap oh, and go down Jesus. there and beat the shit out of her with it, but oh it was goodness. okay. And on that note, let's talk about mental health awareness. <laughs> yeah, well that would have that would have affected her physical health, I think, much more significantly <laughs> than her God, mental health. What is wrong with you? I'm sorry. <laughs> You're fine. Um so I wanted to do this one. Um, I, clearly, I, I mean, it'll come up in the conversation. I really don't even think we need to talk about what happened yesterday in the news and within within music and what happened. But aside from it happening and just being a really shitty, just a fucking shitty thing to see and just out of nowhere... It's in the past 24 hours since I asked you to do this and just come on and do this and where we just talk for an hour. Kind of like we did that one time, but this time we, I guess the difference is this time, I guess we have more of a topic in in, in store. Um, and what I noticed was there has been more than ever a conversation around mental health. And there have been people that I agree with, people that I've very strongly disagreed with about things. But it's the important thing, I think, is that it's opening up a conversation. And I thought what we could talk about is because we're people that have both, I mean, in the past few months, we've kind of openly shit on bands and on music and things that we didn't really like. But I think yesterday it was... And I'm not saying that this was the cause. I mean, I don't know what was was going on in his head. I don't know part of it, but... A thing that I thought of is with Linkin Park, they got a really interesting rap as time went on because of their 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 foray into, into I guess pop music. And after this happened, it kind of made me realize like, should we should we as fans be hating on? the music that is out there even if we don't like as aggressively as as we have i mean is that justified or is that like what are we i I guess where's the line in that sense 
where's the line in what we can say and what we can't because I I mean I honestly I felt like shit yesterday not just because of it happening but because a small part of me kept thinking fuck people trashed their record and that's all he hears all day you're only going to be this you can't do this you can't step out of this like where's the line at this point yeah man and I mean in the context of Linkin Park specifically they've been hearing that for a long time right so back when I was in high school and hybrid theory and Meteora and all those albums were out, right. It was like, I can't think of anybody who didn't really like Linkin Park back then, yeah. which is weird, right? Because yeah, you know, I looked at my Facebook yesterday and there were so many posts from so many people talking about Chester. And these are people who now are like into like hardcore gangster rap and shit like that. Right. So yeah. it's like, and you know, if you think about it, Linkin Park kind of had something for everybody, right? Like it was the first thing that got me into kind of screaming music, right? Same. Um, it also kind of got me into hip hop, right? And so I went more heavily towards metal, you know? And I think a lot of other people who listen to them went more towards hip hop, right? But I think what's interesting about their music and why Chester's, you know, death yesterday was such a big deal to so many people is that they were one of the first bands who really kind of didn't give a shit, you know, and they like genre wise, they bent things around and stuff like that. And so it's kind of like the same reason why everybody respected them a lot at the beginning, which was, you know, being different and kind of changing things is the same reason why people ended up disliking them towards the end. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's weird to me because it all started sort of with like the Transformers movies, which yeah. is a weird thing to bring up during this discussion. But, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, it's it's there was the whole like, oh, you guys sold out. You guys are on, you know, mix 106.5 and shit like that now. Yeah. Right. So it's like at that point, I think, is when it started. But I think even then, every time a new single came out people kind of forgot that they had hated the one before that. <laughs> yeah. You know, and those songs I think are kind of in the Linkin Park canon now too. Right. So, and it's, mm-hmm. so it's kind of weird. I didn't listen to the new album too much. What I heard, I didn't, I didn't love, I didn't hate, but I think to answer your question more specifically, it's like just because they're playing a different kind of music doesn't mean that it's any less of a personal expression from them. Yeah. You know, so if like, if you look at Chester and say he's writing the lyrics, right. You may not really like the music and you might think they sold out, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there's some guy sitting in a room writing basically jingles for them to perform. You know what I mean? Like someone does for Justin Bieber or whatever. Yeah. You know, and fuck, even Justin Bieber write, might write some of his own shit. I don't know what he does, but yeah. you know what I mean? So it's kind of like there's this idea that the bigger you get, the less expressive your music becomes, right? But then there's also this idea that I think people forget about that in order to be really accessible to other people, you need to be very specific to yourself because that's what ends up being a universally relatable experience, right? Yeah. So I think that as people were shitting on this new music 
there's kind of this mentality that's very similar to like stand-up com- uh, comedians, right? Where if someone says they don't like your comedy or someone says they don't like your lyrics, right? Or your music, they're basically telling you, I don't like or validate who you are as a person. Yeah. Right. And so I think the expectation for a band as big as Linkin Park is that, well, that shouldn't bother you. There should be, you know what I mean? There should be kind of two versions of yourself, which one is like the famous version of you. Right. And the other is you, you. And you're expected to have kind of like this disconnection between those two things. But I think deep down, any musician would probably say that, you know, they're still very intrinsically connected to the meaning of the music if they're still writing it themselves. So I think for, for Linkin Park, it was kind of this idea of like, I don't want to keep saying Linkin Park because I don't know about everybody, but you know what I mean? For Chester, I would say, you know, as, as kind of the front man, he's, he's really putting himself out there. And people saying they don't like the songs is it for someone who I think has a history of mental illness like he did is is probably difficult to separate. And I think it'd be difficult to separate for anybody. But, you know, particularly if you're already dealing with all kinds of struggles like that. So that's that's kind of where I have found myself thinking over the last 24 hours. Yeah, I um, I, I agree wholeheartedly with what you said. I think that. I think it started to shape the way that, um, and again, kind of going back to what I was saying about like, I don't know if that is something that was, that led him to that. I know he had been very outspoken in the past about a number of other issues that he had had and things that had happened early on, but it keep, I kept thinking kind of like, well, fuck, if you're sitting there on Twitter every day and the only thing you're seeing is like, your music fucking sucks, you should, and this is like heartbreaking for me to say but people writing shit like uh die your music sucks fag whatever like and and it sounds like i'm being i'm exaggerating but if you go through twitter and you look at it like that like a day before i guarantee you'd find some semblance of that because people think that they're powerful when they're sitting behind um their phone or their computer because they think that there is no other voice on the other end of the line that it's just like oh he's never gonna see this they're never gonna see this or whatever and it's just it's it's just shitty regardless when I think the biggest thing that I've learned about being in this I guess in this world of music is that a lot of the time even the bigger people that you don't think you can access with stuff today they can see it they absolutely can read it oh for sure man there's some people that will they may not there's definitely some people who have said like they may have a Twitter page, but they don't necessarily use it. They it's like another team. Uh, like I worked with a social media team once, and they uh, the other people because their job was to go and write music. Like the musicians, that's what they did. They had someone else run their account, but they weren't like writing their personal thoughts or anything. They were writing like social updates about shows and things like that, like using it more as a tool in that sense, rather than them. So there's some that are obviously going to be different. Not everyone's going to do it, but a lot of people do use social media. Like, and a lot of people do see the replies. It's hard not to click on it no matter what. Um, Well, dude, I think like it's more about it. It it says more about 
your goals as a person if you're putting that kind of negative shit out there yeah than it does about your goals in terms of even whether or not you're even trying to actually contact the person yeah right is it most of these people are probably not trying to get attention from the person who they're talking to they're, they're probably trying, trying to get, get validation about their opinion from people who probably already agree with them yeah right and so like you know it, it's okay to dislike somebody's music right yeah and there's plenty of people whose music i dislike yeah <laughs> right and i'll be vocal about disliking the music but i won't say anything about the person you know what i mean so i think there's a fine line there too where it's like you have to be careful what you say about the music in general but you know if you don't like the new linkin park song you know you shouldn't be like fuck you chester you're a piece of shit yeah right so so you know what i mean it's like well it, you as a musician i think to an extent you have to expect that people will not like what you're doing right but then again as a person like being called any kind of negative name is going to affect you right and if you yeah. scroll through 25 comments and 24 are positive, the one that's going to bug you is the, is negative. the negative one because so it's, it's the one you want to win over. <laughs> right. So, it, so, so it, it, you know, it kind of doesn't matter, especially if you already have insecurity anyway, or if you're looking into yourself, you know, if you, if you're looking into your own mind and thinking that you're, you know, not worthless, but worth less than others, right. Or something like that. Yeah. Then, you know, that one comment out of those 25 is going to be the one that validates your biggest fear so you're going to dwell on it right yeah. so that's the other thing too is is you know it, it, in terms of like a bigger conversation about mental health and things yeah. like that right yeah like if we're talking about social media and the sort of like troll game and you know just like the the sort of perceived anonymity or kind of the um the disassociation that people make between what they say online and, and like their actual personalities, right? Yes. Like if you talk about that kind of stuff, social media is like a huge, huge fuel for the fire of kind of mental issues, right? Because there's it's it's constant and it's overwhelming and even, you know, like to anybody, it's it's constant and overwhelming let alone if you're kind of looking for validation in any way, right? So Yeah. Um I think that this I mean this this whole thing opened up a, a, a very big conversation and one that I, I hate that what happened happened one hundred percent. Um and I'm not I'm not I'm not even at a point where there, I mean to me there really I mean there is no positive to this it's like we lost someone and it's really horrible but I'm I guess in a sense it got me to open my eyes and it was it's not only made me it's not only it's made me grateful for the people that are around me and just the fact that it's like that I can do the things that I get to do that the people that I love are in my life and and all that but it's opened a conversation. And again, I hate that this happened, but I, if there's anything, I guess, whatever, in whatever really twisted way in some form of a silver lining, even though it's not really a silver lining, if this makes sense, it's people are talking about 
mental health and awareness of it. And it's something that I've seen more so than ever before. It started to open up when, um, unfortunately, Chris Cornell passed away in May um, because that was totally unexpected as well. But I think the conversation opened up like I feel like the floodgates fucking opened yesterday because that was one that I mean, no one saw Chris Cornell, but no one fucking saw this one like at all in, in any any way, shape or form. And to the point where I like, I was shocked when I walked out of work. I I won't use my phone at work at my day job, and so I opened up my phone, and that was the first thing. And I saw it, and weirdly enough, I saw it right when the news broke. And I almost didn't believe it at first because it came from TMZ. But then I read the report, and it said the police confirmed it. And then I got off my phone thinking it was true, I checked back 20 minutes later and every site picked up on it. And then the New York Times posted it and I was like, fuck, this actually happens. And what I noticed in the last 24 hours is that um, it's just, there's there's been a conversation about it. And I yeah. don't know, it's just, it's, it's just, all of this is still just fucking crazy to me. Like, so- all of this. Yeah, dude, it, it's crazy to me too. And and the thing about it that I think you're right that it's opening up a conversation, right? Because it was kind of a huge shocker to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's the scary thing about it for me is that it's opening a conversation right now, you know, and like it inspired a lot of kind of thoughtful Facebook posts and, you know, tweets and news stories and things like that, right? Like everybody is acknowledging not only his death, but acknowledging kind of his struggles with mental illness that he had over the years, right? Yeah, yeah, Um, But there's kind of two, well, like two or three things (laughs) to bring up about it, right? Okay. Um, Number one is that it's great that he is you know in a position where he's high profile enough that if something like this happens it does open up a conversation right um but this kind of stuff happens all the time who are not famous every single day right and not only you know actual suicides but um people think about it all the time you know Mm -hmm. what i mean people um, try it and fail, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? I, fail is a weird verb to use in that context, but you, you see what yeah, I'm saying, right? Yeah, I totally understand. Um, so so part of it is like, it, it's great that people are online and talking about him, but they have to take that to the next step and then like talk to their friends and talk to their families and you know what I mean? Like talk to people who like are actually part of their lives. Right. Like as big of a deal as Lincoln Park's music has been to me over the years, like he wasn't part of my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's it's people need to actually have those conversations with the people who are close to home. So that's number one. Um, number two is that, you know, the conversations are happening, you know, yesterday, today, you and I are talking today. Right. Yeah. You know, and um people will probably be talking about it over the course of the next week or so. Right. Yeah. Um, 
you know, but then Donald Trump will do something stupid or Kim Kardashian will order a fucking quesadilla or, you know what I mean? (laughs) Something will happen where everyone's on to the next thing, right? Uh, Yeah, and and that was another thing I was going to bring up. It's just really shitty how fast the news cycle moves and that's all people start to want. Dude, right, because remember, like, Robin Williams. Oh, yeah. Right, and everybody was like, what the fuck, dude? He was such, he was such a happy, funny guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and everybody was having these conversations back then too, because it was just like, what the fuck, dude? Like, you know, the genie, like, again, it was something that for our generation, um, like our whole childhoods, we, we grew up with that. Right. And, And then, you know, you kind of on a personal level feel this like weird, which is it's selfish, but it's part of it is like this weird betrayal of like, holy shit, like you were supposed to be yep, kind of my guidepost. Yeah. You know, well, so like, what the fuck? Well, <laughs> you know, and so I think. Yeah, it wasn't even like a guidepost. It was just that feeling of you were supposed to be one of the untouchable ones, like one of the ones that wasn't going to leave so early or wasn't going to do this. Right. Like You feel like this weird thing, even though you have obviously no ownership over a person or anything like that but it's like one of those things where you're just like no you what no you you weren't supposed to leave like what no right and, well yeah. and, and 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 so that there you know that that kind of brings this point to a, to a close for me which is that you know the news cycle happens fast and people forget very quickly right um and so and part of the reason people forget is because they stop talking about it. So I think conversations like this are important and probably conversations that are more candid than this are even more important. Um, but the last point, which that leads into well is like, you know, with both Robin Williams and Chester, these are people probably more so with Robin Williams, but these are people who seem they're performers, right? So, outwardly you know they they write music right they get on stage and they dance around they jump around they they sing right they have they're always smiling you see pictures of them smiling all the time you know what i mean yeah and and so in you know these are people who get paid to do that shit so i mean robin williams was so shocking because his job was literally to act like a fucking goofball all the time yeah right and, and he was like, always on like he was yeah. always on, no matter what. I mean, we obviously don't know what he was like when he was alone, but at the same time, like there, there were so many stories that I heard after that about like how he would just come up to people. There was one story. I don't know if it was even true. Um, I, in my mind, I hope it is because it was a beautiful story about this family. This little girl was talking about a story about how when she was a kid, someone in their family had died, and everything was everybody was really sad. And they had just finished the funeral. Everyone was very solemn. And they were in, like, a donut shop or a coffee shop or something. And this man came up to her and her family and just sat with them for, like, 20 minutes and would make them laugh. And she was like, it was the first time. He smiled later on in life. My parents told me. And I realized who that was because I saw him in a movie. And it was Robin Williams. And it's like, he was always on. He was always jumping in. But people don't necessarily realize that those people are often the ones that struggle the most. Like there's always, they're doing that and they're putting themselves out there so much because it's 
that's their well one it's just it's something that they're just programmed to do it's their creativity that they just need to get out of them as a creative person but it's also it's just they're people who I don't know how to say it well it's just, they yeah. know they know better than anybody else what it's yes. like to feel like shit yeah. and so if they can't stop themselves from feeling that way they want to help other people do. then you know if they can stop other people from feeling that way even temporarily then they're going to right and so that's that, that's kind of my point right is that you know, these guys are really, really good at seeming fine, right? And they both had careers that, you know, are kind of designed to be escapisms for other people, right? But yeah. you're still in the middle of your own shit no matter what you're doing, right? So it, it's kind of like the the scary part here is that, you know, those guys were, were professionals but there are tons of people around us every day who are acting totally fine, right? And they might not be either, but they are capable of kind of, you know, going to work, pretending that they're fine while they're there, you know, like going into social situations and, and kind of, you know, putting on the right face, so to speak, right? Yeah. So, it, so you, you could be just as shocked you know, to find out that one of your best friends is going through something very similar and, and have no idea, right? So that's another thing that this brings up is, you know, it's it's great that you that that everybody cares so much because this person is a celebrity, right? Yeah. But are do they care about the fact that this person is a celebrity or do they actually care about what the issues are and are they gonna translate that into their daily lives with people, right? Like, is that going to yeah. change whether or not, you know, you are an asshole to the person who comes into Starbucks because they're having a bad day or something like that, right? Like yeah. your, your barista could, could be a little short with you one day and you could be like, fuck you, Paige. I'm going to go <laughs> order my upside down light caramel macchiato somewhere else you fucking bitch right <laughs> but then you don't know you don't know what happened to her that morning you don't know what happened to her as a child you don't know what she's thinking or feeling right like so it, it's kind of like you have to think about it on that level and not really on the level of celebrity right so it, it's yeah. it's kind of a it's a bummer <laughs> that it takes someone being so high profile I 100 to make the conversation haveable. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. This, I mean, I think this conversation should have been happening a long time ago, regardless of whatever, whatever, I guess, high profile celebrity was in the news that, that I guess maybe started this, like started the inklings of this conversation. And I'm not, and that's, I don't say that in a way of like, oh, they're to, blame for this because they're not it's just like that that's something people absorb news that way and they absorb high profile stories and it's also it hurts because it's someone that when you're you think of it in the way of a lot of people that i see just a lot of people aren't necessarily the creative types that are trying and i mean that's a very broad blanket statement which i is probably not true, but a lot of people like like just a general person is not necessarily a person who's trying to pursue a career in music or in entertainment or film, and they're just a 
regular average normal person going to work, going to do their job, and then their way of entertainment and getting out whatever frustrations they have or whatever emotions that they have is through watching movies and watching television and listening to music all the time and hearing that. And when that is yanked away for whatever reason, whether it's um, cancer, whether it's old age, whether it's a, a horrible situation like this, it it activates that thing in your mind where not only are you sad, but it's like, fuck, I'm never going to have new things from this thing again, from this person again. I'm never going to get to hear the thing that was my favorite. But in rea- but at the same time, the this conversation should, I agree with you, should have started a long time ago. And it's sad that something like this has to happen. Um, or, right. or doesn't has to ha- doesn't have to happen, but it's sad that something like this happens and that is the catalyst for this conversation. This should have been something that was talked about years and years ago in the media. And I don't know, I, I, like for starters, because the media obviously influences yeah. I mean, the topics that people talk about, but... Not even in the media, though, man. Like, like the media for sure, right? Because that we're obviously incapable of like figuring out what's important unless we're told. But like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. The it should be happening like everywhere. But I think the problem is like we talk about it with celebrities and stuff like that because it's very easy to because yeah. it, for the exact same reason that it's easy to talk shit about them if they do things we don't like. Yep because we're so disconnected from them, right? So it's like, oh fuck, dude, you know, um, Chester was sexually abused as a child, right? That's horrible, can you believe that, right? But it's like, if it was like, oh shit, dude, like this guy that we work with was sexually harassed as a child. That's a harder thing to talk about because that person's right there. And there's a potential for emotion to come up that people are afraid to feel and they're afraid to feel that connection because it's 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 hard to get past that wall in your mind of uh feeling for someone like it's just and and that's a shitty thing to say but it's like um it's just it's it's hard emotionally for a lot of people to get past that barrier dude it's a hundred percent true right and it's like you know we (laughs) I was listening to the Nerdist and they were talking about how like they could watch a movie and bawl their eyes out if somebody dies or something. Yeah. You know, but if they see something on like a true crime show, they're just like, holy shit. But that's like real people. You know yeah. what I mean? No, it's super interesting. And, yeah. And so it, it's kind of like it's it's much easier for us to sensationalize kind of, um, you know, the celebrity instances of this kind of stuff because we can say whatever we want with no real risk of like hurting someone close to us. You know what I mean? And, and it, it, it's a hard thing because, you know, people don't know how to approach it. Right. And I think that's, that's kind of where the media conversation that you're talking about comes in. Right. Yeah. You know, there've been ad campaign, ad, sorry, uh, campaigns about, you know, teaching your kids not to smoke or not do drugs or things like that, right? Um, but there's not a lot of campaigns like that that talk about how to teach your kids about like depression or mental health issues or what yeah. to do if you're confused or concerned, right? And so, you know, there's there's so many um, 
there's so many things that don't get covered, right? And it's something that is a generational thing. Like we're probably more equipped than our parents who are more equipped than our grandparents to talk about this kind of shit. Yeah. Right. Because back then it was like, ah, we don't fucking talk about that kind of shit around here. Right. You know, yeah. it's like <laughs> put your cigar out on your fucking arm and shut up, <laughs> you know? And, but Eat now it, it's, yeah, <laughs> put your damn food in your mouth and chew it. I don't give a fuck. Right. So, so now it's kind of, I think people are moving in the right direction, but I think, you know, it's, it's going to be up to us to put things out there that really kind of, um, not necessarily instruct people on how to have those conversations, but that like make it okay to have those kinds of conversations. Yeah. Take away the stigma associated with it and all that kind of stuff. I just want it to be part of a normal everyday conversation and be able to say something like, Hey, I'm feeling like shit today without feeling like it's going to be, and not by you obviously, but like by other, by people just, around you I, I i want people to be able to be comfortable with expressing their emotions even if it is something that's deep and dark and hard to talk about and i'm not saying like i want people to be able to go into a conversation and then reveal some dark awful truth about them it's like I, you don't need to do that but it's like i want people to be able to find the courage to say hey can i talk to you about something i'm there's something i've been struggling with and i'd really like to talk to someone because it feels very and as open as people are to an extent with stuff like social media, it's still it's still taboo to talk about like how you're feeling and it it sucks. I, I want that to change. And I, I think I think you're right. It is up to it's up to our generation of people to talk about these things. And it's just it's just unfortunate. Yeah, man. I think it I think the way that things are going, it's getting better. You know, like a lot of the comedians that I listen to on podcasts and stuff like that are very open about therapy and things like that. Yeah. Um, there's even, there's a podcast called the hilarious world of depression. I don't know if you've heard that one. I've never heard that one. Um, but it's like a psychiatrist who interviews comedians about kind of their inner workings, you know? Um, and it's really interesting because these people like talk about it in a very open and normal way as you would expect a comedian to do. Right. Um, and, and it kind of offers like resources and things like that. So it's, you know, there, there are starting to be things like that, but you know, even this is a good example. Like you're one of the biggest podcast people I know and you haven't heard <laughs> of that one. Right. So, yeah. so it's kind of like, it's still, it's still kind of, um, like an underground movement. And, and as you were saying earlier, the silver lining to things like Chester are that it brings it into the, the main focus. Um, but I think, you know, it, we still have a ways to go before it stays in the main focus and before it's something that's very like openly discussed, right? Like yeah. even, even things like, you know, obviously this, I don't want to get too political. Oh um, yeah, yeah, of course. But you know, things like the whole healthcare thing, right? Um, this bill, it's, it's not making a lot of considerations, right? And, and kind of like, you know how like in a high school, if there's a budget concern, they start cutting things like music and theater. Yeah. 
you know, I feel like in the healthcare platform, if they're going to start cutting things, they're going to start cutting things like mental health programs. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, if there's still kind of this old school mentality that like suffering from like a broken leg is different than suffering from depression. Right. Um, but they're both debilitating. It's just in different ways. Right. But because you can't physically see one of them, it's very easy to sort of play it off. And the way that our current administration is, if you basically, if you can't see it, it's not there. Right. So, yeah. So that is a, a big concern in terms of like, maybe socially we're going towards the right thing, but in terms of policy, I don't think that that's necessarily true. Um, so, you know, there's, there's still a lot of obstacles too. Yeah. I think that, uh, well, two things. One, kind of going back to what you're saying, I keep thinking of ways that will keep the conversation alive after, and I'm, and I'm going to say this because this is, I guarantee the next thing, because after, um, our lovely, lovely, shitty fucking president, um, and he's the only person I don't feel bad saying, like, shitty things about sorry when you try to alienate an entire race of people and are just an overall shit bag i'm i I have no remorse for you but um it it's one of those things where he's gonna say something stupid and then the news is gonna turn to that and everyone's gonna for for a while they're gonna forget about this until um the anniversary of his death comes around and that's again horrible thing to say but it's true because i've seen it happen a thousand times it happened with david bowie it happened with prince everyone talked about it for a week and then they forgot about it and then their anniversaries came around and then people had something to put on their facebook post and it was really crappy because and, and i mean there wasn't obviously a conversation they um there could you could justify that there was a conversation with um prince because of um addiction um, right. But there was there wasn't really a conversation with David Bowie. It was he was old and he privately battled cancer and it was very sad. Um, but with Prince, there there absolutely could have been there could have been a conversation because he he got very sick. But he I and I don't remember this 100 percent. So don't quote me. I, I think they found opioids in his system, um, like some form of it. Um, not it wasn't heroin, but it was like there were there was some form of um like a toxic chemical substance in him that easily could have opened a conversation uh and kept it going but um it didn't and right. um and i'm not blaming anyone for that i'm just saying like it, it could have done that but in the same way that like when chris cornell died that news lasted for a few days and that could have absolutely been a, a, a topic of okay we need to talk openly about depression and then I think um, Donald Trump sat on his phone and tweeted out some stu- like stupid word that was a typo and everyone Kofifi. and then <laughs> started and then that was the next thing and I don't know the timeline of the, I can't remember the timeline but something like that or like he took a picture yeah, sitting in a truck or um, whatever in with the Kenny Wars big boy pants that day so um, it, it the was, best it was, thing that he could do would be to come out and be like, I realize that I have some mental yeah. things to work out. Yeah, and, you know, all this pressure from my father growing up and all that kind of shit. You know what I mean? Like, that would be the best thing that he could do, probably for his own image and for just mental health awareness in general. Yeah. Um, but y- you know what, ironically, I think is actually kind of 
keeping the conversation a little bit more afloat than it has been um, is the NFL <laughs> because hmm. all of these kind of, you know, there's there's so much news about NFL players kind of going through depression or mental breakdowns and things like that after retiring from the league, right? Obviously, a lot of that's related to concussions. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I think that the players are starting to acknowledge that it's a concern. And that's a group of people that has like a really loud voice in our country is the NFL players. And, yeah. Right. So interestingly, I think that that kind of provides a bit of an opportunity to keep the conversation going. Um, at the same time, you know, the commissioner of the NFL doesn't want people talking about that. So it's interesting to see how kind of the opportunities for these conversations come up and then they get squashed by, you know, media or money or whatever. So we'll see what happens. It's, you know, obviously it's a bummer to have, to have the conversation at all, but, um, it's way more of a bummer to deal with issues like that and not have the conversation. Right. You know, there's just like such a stigma about, things like therapy and, you know, even just like talking to your friends and stuff like that. And, you know, there's, I, for some reason, people who want to keep it that way, I don't understand. I don't understand it either. And I think that, well, there was, so there was some post that I think, I think Cassie had sent it to me. Um, or she like tagged me and said like, Whoa, check this out. There was a girl who posted a, posted her, her boss's response to her email where she said, something like um she wanted to take a mental health day yes and then her boss and then her boss said okay that's fine i'm really glad that you actually brought that up and i think it's important that people see that that's a real thing going back to what you were saying about how um the difference between like a broken leg and depression both are um both are illnesses in a different but they're just they manifest themselves in different ways and because you can only see one people then take that as a real thing like there have been times over and i I don't know if and i i I asked this question to you have you ever at any point in this year um or in just even in the past wanted to call in to work and take a mental health day not because you were like "Eh, i don't feel like going to work but just because like fuck there's so much on my mind and i feel like i'm gonna lose it if i don't slow down dude i i literally quit my last job because I was being driven, like, I don't want to say insane because that has a negative connotation in terms yeah, of this yeah. conversation. But I would, you know, I mean, fuck it. I was being, like, driven insane by my boss, right? Yeah. And it was a situation where it's like the job is not challenging to me. I know how to do it. I know what I need to do, right? But I just had so many mental obstacles to being able to get my work done that it wasn't worth it to me. And I interviewed for a new job and I took it. Right. So yeah, it's, I, I mean, shit, I value that stuff really, really heavily. You know, um, it, I'm the kind of person where if I'm, I have like anxiety, right. So I guess that's kind of my personal tie into the yeah. conversation, Same. you know, and like a couple of years ago, I ended up in the emergency room. <laughs> so like, you know what I mean? Shit. Like, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, dude. Yeah. So, um, you know, being in a stressful environment for me is not 
it's not conducive to being healthy, right? Like it makes me physically, I have physical symptoms of it. Yeah. You know, so like I was at this job, you know, and, and this was even before it got super stressful, but you know, I was new there. I didn't really know what I was doing yet and stuff like that. And I had like some chest pains, right? Which it turns out was most likely acid reflux, but I didn't know that at the time. So yeah. I went into Kaiser and I was nervous as shit because, you know, if your chest hurts yeah. like, on the left side, that's not typically very good. Um, you know, so I went into Kaiser and I was nervous as shit and my um, blood pressure was really high because I was anxious. Yeah. Right. And I, I got this doctor who wasn't my usual doctor and her bedside manner was atrocious. Right. And yeah. she's she's not recognizing that I have like an anxiety problem. Right. Like she's just like, well, if you don't calm down, I'm going to have to send you to the emergency room because your heart is beating at 160 beats per minute while you're Holy just sitting shit. here. Shit. Right. And I'm like, well, that makes me more nervous. Right. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> you know, so it's it's kind of like this, this. It feeds off of itself, too. Right. So I ended up going in the ER. I had to get a bunch of Valium and I had to get a um, IV and all that kind of shit. And I was in there for like several hours. And then I had to go on blood pressure medication after that for a while. Wow. I had to stop drinking coffee for 70 days. Um, I still can't have energy drinks and shit like that. You know, so it's yeah. it's kind of like it's not it, it doesn't affect me all the time. But it when it does, it sucks, yeah. you know, and it, it, it affects me a lot less now than it used to. Um, you know, because I've I've had kind of a long history of kind of you know not not depression but like anxiety and and kind of you know just weird shit to deal with yeah i've had it <laughs> since know? i was a kid i totally i totally feel it yeah i mean like my mom passed away when i was 10 i don't know if you know that i didn't know uh, that i'm so sorry yeah so when i was 10 right and it's like as a kid that's pretty much the worst fucking thing that can happen to you yeah <laughs> you know and so yeah. like and you, as a kid that age too, you also like, you don't understand how you feel about shit anyway. Right. And everybody just kind of tells you what to do. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, you know, my dad was like, well, you got to go to therapy. Cause that's, you know, he didn't know what the fuck to do either. He's like, that's what you do when this happens. Right. Like <laughs> it's, you know, you get a broken leg, you get a cast, you deal with some crazy life event, you go to therapy. Right. Like it's, it's kind of that like reactionary idea. Mm -hmm. So I went, I didn't really feel like I was getting anything out of it, but like looking back, if I hadn't have gone, like who the fuck knows what would have happened? You know what I mean? But you know, back then I used to just have overwhelming anxiety about like, fuck, I'm a kid with like one parent and I don't know what the fuck to do. You know what I mean? Like what yeah. happens? And so I would have, I used to have anxiety attacks all the time when I was like 11, 12 years old. Right. So luckily, you know, I've, I've processed a lot of that stuff. I've had a long time to process and I, now it's a lot easier for me to kind of put things into perspective and I don't have those issues as often. Um, but you know, I still like stress out over decision making and shit like that. And like, Oh yeah. I used to have like kind of a borderline potential for being a hoarder because it was like, you know, as a kid, after you lose a parent, you're like, fuck, everything is so impermanent. You just try to keep all kinds of shit, right? Yeah. And you try to keep stuff that reminds you of that person and things like that, right? And so it's like, 
I had to work that out and like not keep every single piece of paper. You know what I mean? <laughs> like all kinds I'm, of shit I'm like guilty that of that. Yeah. And, and so there, you know, it, it manifests in like really big ways for some people and really small ways for other people. And like, I have to recognize that I have kind of a, a pre, um, predisposition to some of those things. And, and I have to kind of, you know, make decisions consciously to avoid things that will put me in those situations. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I try to stay out of low anxiety or out of high anxiety situations. Right. And that's like, <laughs> I try not to kind of acquire too much shit in the first place so that I don't have to worry about getting rid of stuff. You know what I mean? So there's like little things like yeah. that that pop up all the time. Um, and like even with drinking and stuff, right? Like, you know, I love a good beer, right? But yes. <laughs> like both of my grandparents were like terrible alcoholics, you know what I mean? And it, so it's like, it's in my, my bloodstream, right? It's in yeah. my, my genes. And so it's like, even with that kind of stuff, you know, I have to be, that's another form of, of kind of mental illness, right? So I have to be really aware of that and, and take that into consideration all the time. Yeah. You know, and, and part of what makes it easy for me is I don't mind saying that shit to people. Like, I don't mind telling you that I don't mind putting that on this podcast for a bunch of people to hear. Right. I don't mind talking to really anybody about it. So to me, it's not like a dark secret that I feel like I have to keep. Right. I think part of what is so hard for a lot of people, probably, you know, like Chester included was this idea of like, not only do I feel horrible, I also have to keep that a secret from people. So I think that's the other thing too, is like, how do you get comfortable talking about stuff like that? Yeah. Right. That was uh, something that I was going to talk about actually. And I was going to ask you in your, just, I guess in terms of keeping this conversation going is how, how do people keep the conversation going without having it focus on, um, someone that's in the spotlight, like kind of the way that you had said at the beginning, like how the conversation should have been happening a long time ago and, and without a news piece like like something like that if that makes sense like how, how do people keep this conversation going like when the next news headline comes after this that's going to totally distract people for whatever reason like uh trump getting impeached or whatever i can dream but like something like that like how do people like like how does that how do people keep it going regardless of whatever the next big news story or scandal in politics or whatever is? Well, do you, I mean, it's a catch 22 a little bit, right? Because you don't want to like, if you're the person trying to initiate the conversation, you don't want to like step on anybody's toes or, you know what I mean? Kind of upset them or, you know, force them to talk about something they don't want to talk about. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think it's, it's hard to actively, keep the conversation going. I think it's more about actively keeping the opportunity for the conversation available. You know what I mean? So like doing things to show people that you're, you're available to talk if they want to, right? It's not like, Hey man, what's wrong with you? It's like, (laughs) you know what I mean? If it like, for example, I have a couple of buddies who, you know, every once in a while I'll I'll go on Twitter and I'll be like, it's kind of an off tweet you know? Um, and so it's like, I'll send that person a text and not be like, what the fuck was up with that tweet, man? Like, are you okay? What's wrong with you? But I'll just be like, what's up, man? How's it going? You know? Right. Because then it's like, just 
having that person know that someone cares about what's going on with them is, a, I think, a big deal, right? I think so, um, too. I don't think you can really be like... I think there's a fine line between being confrontational and being open, <laughs> yeah. which is kind of a weird dichotomy, right? But it's like you can very easily feel like you're pressing someone to share what's very private information for them, right? Yeah. Um, but I think like, you know, the more open that we are with each other, like if I'm open with you, you're more likely to be open with me, right? True. Um, so it's kind of a thing where it's like just break the barriers yourself, right? Like don't don't be afraid to talk about yourself if you feel like you need to. Right. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you know, be selective <laughs> because if you try to talk to the wrong person, then you might get shut down. That might make you feel worse. Yeah, right. But exactly. so if everybody like, you know, if we kind of, <laughs> you know, like the the um, the whole like safety pin thing that happened after Trump got elected. Yes. Yes. Yeah. If there was like a way for someone to have some kind of like symbol that was like, hey, man, you know, you need it. If you need to talk, I'm, I'm here. Right. That, that's kind of like, you know, just the way you act is what's going to keep the conversation open. Right. Because if you if you act open and you act interested, then people will will know that they can come to you. But if everybody is closed off, then it's not going to happen. And the other thing is the conversations are not going to happen over social media. It's, it's not going to fucking happen. So, true. you know what I mean? Like. You, you posted something on Facebook earlier that was like, go get coffee with somebody or go for a walk with somebody, right? Yeah. I think that kind of shit is super important. Like, like um, yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah, I, I think, you know, so it's, it's more about just creating opportunities for people to talk. And when they're ready, they will, you know, and, and if they're not ready, then they won't. <laughs> um, but, you know, making kind of making an environment where people don't feel like they have to act a certain way around you. I think that's the, the big thing, man. I agree with that a hundred percent. And, um, I'm glad we had this conversation and we talked about this. Sorry. There's a bus that just drove by and totally probably is going to sound like in the mic, but, um, well, fuck buses. <laughs> Bunch um, of motherfuckers. <laughs> um, I, I'm glad we just I, I'm glad we did this talk because I think this is I want this to be the first step towards being open because yesterday I think that not only did my opinion on music like musicians and the way I respond to stuff that I maybe don't like changed like I kind of I didn't necessarily reverse my position on music or things that I didn't like originally like there may be things that it's just I don't think in anymore and sit there and go, how the fuck could they change? How could they do it? I just go, that's not for me or even try to understand what it is. But at the same time, it made me not only start to think about that, but it made me just start to think about maybe I should open my eyes a little bit more because particularly as, as someone who's gone through and still to an extent goes through depression and goes through and, and has gone through just, um, years ago the like suicidal thoughts and things like that it's yeah, just it's just one of those things where i just started to think well fuck if i felt like that then there's other people that feel like that and if nobody knew that he felt the way that he did or someone was like oh that's an interesting story to add to an interview it's the tortured artist soul or whatever when he was actually being totally candid it's like right. there's someone there's people that feel like that 
And well, dude, that's an interesting point too, because especially with like Chris Cornell and and um, yeah, you know, all that stuff. It's it's like, oh well, musicians are are emotional. You know what I mean? So that's the other thing too. I think um, is to not be dismissive just because of someone's circumstances, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you could be very well off and still not feel happy, or you could be in a very shitty place and feel very happy, right? So it's kind of like, it, it's a chemical thing. It doesn't really have a, anything to do with your station in life. So mm-hmm. I think that's important to think about too. Yeah, I, I'm i just, I'm, I'm glad I wanted to do this conversation just because I wanted to, I wanted it to be the first, I guess, step in, t- in terms of talking openly about it like obviously this is not a this isn't a podcast on the scale of like uh, like WTF with Mark Maron it's not getting 2 million downloads a month but it's getting it's getting decent like it's getting more decent traffic than I could have hoped it would in just from something that I just started sitting in my living room two years ago in um oh fuck I started it two years ago today. I didn't even realize that. Dude, Holy shit. hell yeah. yeah. Congratulations. Holy shit, I didn't even realize that. Um, now I okay. feel special. <laughs> um, but yeah, I didn't... Yeah, it was the 21st of July. I think it was the 21st of July. I can actually confirm that right now by looking at um, an ad. Because um, the first person I had on the show was I the Mighty at the catalyst atrium they played with hail the sun oh no it wasn't the 21st but i can have it go up on the day of the anniversary of this um which would be the 24th um sick well i'll still feel special then because <laughs> i was about to just go fuck myself <laughs> um no 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 this will actually go up on monday this is gonna go up the day that um this is going to go up the day that I started this, and I think that I would – I very much – I didn't even realize that until I looked at the calendar, but I think it's – I think it's important to – and I sound like a broken record uh, a little bit, but just to talk about this stuff and to be open about it and to let people know that there should be a conversation going, but that if you need help – if you need help, reach out, and to the people who – don't necessarily need help right now or don't or have never needed or gone through any mental health issues which is a very common thing people just don't talk about it but there's there are people that haven't gone through it um to reach out to other people and to just say hey how are you hey what's up even if it's someone you haven't been thinking about in a long time somebody you haven't talked to just just reach out and say hi or whether it's um a phone call or going to get coffee with someone or meeting up to go to a show or fucking going for a walk. It's just anything you can to let someone know that they matter because people do matter. And I think that everyone, I think that everyone matters in, 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 in respect to this conversation. And I think that it's just, I think this was the first step towards that at least for myself with wanting to start a conversation about it. Um, and, um, I really am grateful for you coming and doing this. Cause I know we've had, we did that one talk before and I really liked it. And I, um, thought you would be someone that would be, um, interesting to talk to you about this. Well, thanks man. I'm just happy that I built up my karma. Now I don't have to talk about it for another year or two. 
<laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we have like this whole long, insightful conversation, and then I'm just like completely <laughs> about it at the end. I'm just like, sitting right, here, like as soon right? as he said that, I'm just like laughing. I'm like, Jesus Christ. We're uh, done, right? <laughs> fucking A, man. These people <laughs> stop bitching. No, I'm just kidding. It'd be, fun- no. It'd be funny, though, if I thought you cut the mic and I just like completely turned it off. <laughs> no, it's um, no, it's totally good. And I think the other thing as well, humor is a huge like, uh, like weapon in the battle against all this stuff. Like it's something. I mean, obviously, it doesn't subs. It, it's obviously not a substitute for, um, like medicine and therapy and thing and like actually working through it. But like watching comedy, joking around with friends, doing stuff like that, it, it all really helps, and it's oh, all, yeah, it's it's huge, that's why I, I, I listen to comedy so much, that's why I listen to podcasts all the time, because it's, it's just, it's things that make you smile, even if it's temporary, while you're seeking out relief for, and professional help for the other things, so I just, um, yeah, dude, yeah. I, and I mean, it's, it's hard, especially around this topic, because it's very easy to come across like a dick. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, but like, for me, I gotta laugh about shit. Like if I if I didn't try to make everything funny in some way, I think I would have a lot more sort of inner turmoil to work through. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So it's so for me, it's like like even the you know with, even with Chester, man. Like I had to fight the urge. I found out when my buddy texted me, and. I had to fight. The first thing that came into my mind was he tried so hard and got so far. Yeah, a Lincoln Park joke. I was like, I was like, God damn it, dude! Like, and part of me was like, I hate that that's the first thing that popped into my head. But at the same time, I'm like, that helps me process this. Yeah, (laughs) you know, there was there was something really interesting. There was a conversation, and I'm not a huge fan of his comedy. It's just it's not for me. But there was a conversation that a comedian named Anthony Jeselnik did, who's a very like dark comic and has been very open about um, just where his comedy comes from and things like this. And he was on this is an old episode, but he was on Nerdist many years ago, and he said they were talking about what's crossing the line, what's too dark, what's this and what's that. And he said, "Let me give you insight into the way, into the way that I think." And it's, I think. And I'm paraphrasing, I can't remember specifically, but he said, like, my uh, wife and I found out that, um, or my girlfriend and I found out that uh, one of our friends, they lost their baby. They had a miscarriage, and it was, they were tortured. It was awful. It was one of, like, the worst, like, 72 hours sitting there and just thinking about it. But in my mind, like, within a few hours, uh, or maybe within a shorter amount of time, I started thinking of, uh, like, abortion jokes and things like that and it wasn't out of malice towards it it was just that that was my coping mechanism and that was the way that my mind was trying to process it to make me try to feel a little bit better and it's like i didn't go out and say like and do a full set around it but i just like it's just that's the way my mind worked and that's the way that i saw him on twitter yesterday do a tweet that uh, I forget what it was, but it was it wasn't insensitive towards Lincoln Park. It was still it was still kind of a dark joke, but and a little bit off color. But it's like, eh, whatever. It's it's kind of like that's his way of getting through it. And it's just it, it's it's hard to it's hard to talk about it. But it's just like everybody kind of has different ways of getting through it. And I think I guess just the biggest thing is to just talk about it and yeah. get the yep. conversation going from there. Whether it is um, 
whether it's in whatever way you grieve and whatever way you do it but just as long as you're talking about it and you're getting it out there it'll lead to truths and realization and people getting the help that they that they need um and that's the most important thing (laughs) well um we're definitely we're definitely over an hour and um this is this is perfect buddy thank you so much for talking about this i'm glad we had i'm glad we had this open of a conversation and i and i will say this i would have said this off the air regardless but if you ever need to talk to someone um you know where i am i'm always here let's fucking go get coffee sometime with like no podcast like just to go and talk and just fucking hang out Sounds like a plan, dude. I'm down. Awesome. Same offer goes to you. Cool, buddy. All right, cool. Have a good rest of the night. I will. I'll let you know when this uh, when I send this over and when it goes up. But everything looks like it recorded and it's all good. Yes, yeah, here. So sweet. All right. I yes, will, that's um, the scariest part of the podcast. Oh God, yeah. That fucking end call <laughs> button. All right, dude. <laughs> all right, buddy. Take care. Have a great rest of the night. I'll talk to you soon. You too, man. All Later. Right. Later. Bye. I just wanted to extend um, a big thank you to everyone who listened to this episode. Um, we talked about some very heavy stuff. Um, if you or someone you know ever needs support, there are numerous resources out there. A good place to start is the Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which is at 1-800-273-TALK, T-A-L-K. You can also text the free nationwide 24-7 text message service called the Crisis Text Line. Um, In the United States, you can text HELLO, H-E-L-L-O, to 741-741 or message them at facebook.com slash crisis text line. For support outside the U.S., you can find additional resources at www.suicide.org slash international dash suicide dash hotlines dot html. Um, I took some of these links from the uh, post that Lincoln Park had put up on their website. Um, as I um, was going to put, I was actually going to put these numbers up as well, but I think they did a nice little summary of um, where to go and where to start. Um, just please know that if there's anything that you can take away from this, I swear to God, you matter. Whoever you are, whoever you are, if you're feeling lost, if you're feeling upset, if you're confused, Just know that you matter. Just please, please know that. We'll see you soon. Take care.